SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hour number two of the morning after on a Monday to start off this new week and to start off this new year right here on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. And all across the Sports Grid Network, I am Ben Stevens. On this Monday, we have so much for you. Of course, a full hour in that opening hour, recapping the Sunday slate of NFL week number 16. 15 of the 16 games. In this penultimate weekend of the NFL regular season happened yesterday. All the postseason ramifications, but still one game up on this Monday night. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns at Heinz Field in what might be the last rodeo for Big Ben in Pittsburgh in front of the home crowd. We'll break down Monday night football coming up a little bit later in the show. But if you remember the weekend that was at stake in all the football that we had, it wasn't just professional. It was college as well. The college football playoff. A recap of the semifinals and we set up a national championship rematch of the SEC title game between Alabama and Georgia. Mark Zeno will join us in this second hour to do just that. We'll talk some college hoops, but first... We go to the association in the NBA as well. As football starts to dwindle down, more and more attention will be paid to the National Basketball Association. And last night on the road in Charlotte, in a game that points were expected with an over-under of 234, the Phoenix Suns held up their end of the bargain, posting 133 in a win over the Charlotte Hornets, but Charlotte only scoring 99 points. So the total of 234 actually ends up staying under. Phoenix covering as a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road as well. And the Phoenix Suns, the second-best straight-up record in the NBA, 28-8, and only a half-game behind the Golden State Warriors, who are 28-7. and Now, Phoenix has lost three of their last five, so good to get the winning streak going back, going a little bit last night against the Charlotte Hornets. And they had gone under in two of their last three games, but a lot of points scored last night in a 133-99 victory over Charlotte. And as you look at Phoenix, the reason that they are going to be near the top of the Western Conference standings the entire year, that could be indicated in the trends we have seen. As I mentioned again, 28 and 8 straight up. They have been booked as a favorite in 32 of those 36 games, covering as a slight one and a half point favorite on the road last night against Charlotte. Now, the Hornets have had one of the highest over percentages in all of the NBA all year. And through most of this league season, when a lot of totals were slightly inflated and a good majority of the league was playing a majority of their games to an under, Charlotte was really the highest over percentage, over 60% for most of this year. Well, now the Hornets have gone under in five straight games. So if you see a total of 230 points plus, for the Charlotte Hornets, maybe know that we're slightly getting inflated total still on the buzz, and maybe you look to take an under. Under in five straight games for Charlotte. A loss last night, snapping a three-game cover squid, cover uh, cover streak, I should say, for the Charlotte Hornets. The Phoenix Suns winning 133-99 to last night on the road. Also around the association last night, a shout-out to our guy John Shames, 
our producer here on the morning after the Boston Celtics in overtime, beating the Orlando Magic, but a big night for Jalen Brown, a 50-burger for the young star for the Boston Celtics. As we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here, the second hour of the morning after on this first day that we are on the air here in this new year, Sirius XM, Channel 159, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast in all of our radio affiliates. Thank you for joining us here on this Monday edition of the morning after. I am Ben Stevens. Looking back on some of the action around the association last night and over the weekend, the Suns, as we mentioned, a big 30-plus point win over the Charlotte Hornets. The Lakers, a win at home last night against the Minnesota Timberwolves, 108-103. The Lake Show not covering as a 7.5.8 point favorite at home against Minnesota. The T-Wolves getting that cover as an underdog. It actually snapped a three-game cover streak for Los Angeles. Now, why is that significant? Well, because LA has the worst ATS record or tied for the worst ATS mark in all of the NBA. Both the Lakers and the Portland Trailblazers an NBA worst 15 and 23 against the number. The Lakers do not cover last night, but they have won two straight games, three of their last four games, back to 500 this year at 19 and 19 straight up. LeBron James, for the first time in a while, not scoring at least 30 points, but still a beneficial performance for Los Angeles. 26 points, seven boards, five assists last night for LA in their five-point victory against the Minnesota Timberwolves. The total of 222 stays under, but LA has gone over in four of their last six games. Now, as you look at the T-Wolves throughout their recent trends as well, looking at what they have done as an underdog, they have covered in two straight as an underdog, four of their last five as a dog, despite the fact they have lost five of their last six games. So they are a good team covering the number as a dog this year, but they haven't won in a little bit. Three straight losses for Minnesota, losing five of their last six. Their last win coming as a five-point underdog outright against the Boston Celtics. So that's some of the action around the association as we enter this new year in 2022. A lot will be decided in the Western Conference. The Lakers, the preseason favorites, at a short price at plus 195. Now the fourth best odds, the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors. The Dubs, the favorites. The Suns not far behind in that Western Conference championship race that is going to start to pick up as we get into 2022. As will college basketball. The conference slate is blowing up in CBB. We look at that up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the Sports Grid Network, I am Ben Stevens. As you know, we love college sports on this show. We will break down the college football playoff coming up on the other side of the break. Mark Zeno will join us to look back at the CFP. The two results in the semifinals, shocker, shocker, both not exceptionally close, but that has been the history of the eight years now in the college football playoff. We will set up what the national championship looks like and then the exciting bowl slate that we saw on New Year's Day because New Year's Day and college football go hand in hand and some great results to relive as the college football season only has two games left. But 
The college basketball season is just starting to get in full swing, especially in the conference portion of the scheduling. And we saw that yesterday with a top 10 team in action in Big Ten play on the road in Evanston. The Michigan State Spartans, the number 10 team in all the land, taking on the Northwestern Wildcats. And MSU was tested yesterday on the road in Welsh Ryan Arena, but it was Michigan State prevailing with a six-point road victory, beating the Cats 73-67. Now, Northwestern actually led by seven at the first half break, but Michigan State outscored the Wildcats by 13 points in the second half to cover as a short favorite of only three and a half points on the road. Nine and five against the spread this year is Michigan State and Tom Izzo, a favorite in 12 of their 14 games. So, as I mentioned, they are 12-2, and two, a favorite in 12 of those games. They have won every game. They have been the favored side. They have covered in nine of those 12. But when you look at where the Michigan State Spartans have lost games this year, it has come as an underdog in the season opener against Kansas and also against the number one team in the country in Baylor. So it makes sense that Michigan State is ranked 10th in the country. In fact, MSU has covered in four of their last five games. They have gone over a total in five straight games as well. Yesterday's total against Northwestern of 139 in a hook goes over. So Northwestern, not a bad sign either. 11 games played so far this year, eight and three straight up. Something to keep in mind as we go through the Big Ten Conference. A couple of Big Ten games in action on this Monday night as well. Maybe if you have a two-screen setup, you put it on alongside Monday night football because the Purdue Boilermakers, one of the best teams in the country who are tied for the second-best odds to win a national championship in action at home tonight at Mackey Arena against the Wisconsin Badgers. Purdue, a 13-point favorite, also plus 185 to win the Big Ten Conference regular season crown. Also, when you look at Iowa and Maryland in action tonight in Big Ten play, the Hawkeyes at home inside Carver Hawkeye, an eight-point favorite against those Maryland Terrapins. MSU, meanwhile, the fourth best odds to win the Big Ten title at plus 600. It goes Purdue at plus 185, Illinois behind them at plus 440, Ohio State at 5-1, to one, Michigan State at 6-1, to one, Michigan at 7-1. to one. A little bit more jumbled right there in the middle of the pack from two to five and then it falls off to wisconsin who has the sixth best odds at 17 to one to win the big 10 title so michigan state on the road yesterday their 12th win of the year in 14 tries beating northwestern 73 to 67 not exactly the prettiest game for the spartans but still a victory and road cover as a three and a half point favorite also looking back on the rest of the weekend, because New Year's Day is so often dominated by college football, you forget about some of the other sports going on. And lost in the fold was a great college basketball matchup in the Big 12. A battle of two unbeaten teams entering the day. A top 10 battle between the reigning national champions in Baylor, the number one team in the country, still are the Bears, and Iowa State. A battle of two unbeaten teams entering the day. The Bears hand the Cyclones their first loss of the year. Baylor winning 77-72 on the road in Ames. So now just three unbeaten teams left in all of college football. Baylor being one, USC being another, and Colorado State, the third and final undefeated side left in all of college basketball. USC had a game last night against Arizona in what would have been a top 10 matchup postponed due to some issues within those programs. So USC did not play last night. Baylor on Saturday, an impressive road victory 
against Iowa State. 77-72, the final. But Iowa State continues to cover when booked as an underdog this year. Nobody expected this out of Iowa State and TJ Oltzelberger in his first year as the head coach in Ames. Thus, they have been booked as an underdog many times this year. They covered as a seven-and-a-half-point underdog against Baylor at home on Saturday. The Cyclones have been an underdog five times this year, a perfect 5-0 and ATS, and prior to Saturday's loss by five points to the Baylor Bears, Iowa State had won outright in all four of their games. So, Baylor does not cover as a seven and a half point favorite. Eight, four, and one against Denver this year, all booked as a favorite. Iowa State, still a team to keep an eye on in the Big 12 Conference, certainly, because when you look at the Big 12 title odds right now, Baylor tied as the favorite to win the conference crown at plus 170 with Kansas. The fifth best odds belong to Iowa State at 12 to 1. And it's interesting to see those odds. And you want to put Iowa State maybe into some context despite this very, very hot start to begin the 2021 22 college basketball campaign. The fifth best odds out of 10 teams in the entire conference overall to win the Big 12 title at 12 to 1. So despite being ranked in the top 10, despite suffering their first loss of the season, and you can't hold it against them to lose to the number one team in the country in the Baylor Bears, especially when you cover a seven and a half point spread, Iowa State still ranked 41st in the Ken Palm efficiency rankings, which show based on the metrics maybe how sustainable this success is. Ken Palm can be at times slow to update and evaluate teams a little bit. So I'm not saying Iowa State is the 41st best team in the country, but it puts in perspective, maybe based on the results of this hot start where Iowa State might regress slightly to the mean, but at least so far when booked as an underdog, you know Iowa State has been incredibly profitable, 5-0 and undefeated against the number as an underdog so far this year. So Baylor tied as the favorites to win the Big 12 at plus 170, also tied for the second best odds to win a second straight national championship at 10-1 to alongside Duke, alongside Purdue. They're tied with Kansas there in the Big 12 odds, but Kansas behind them in the national championship odds. A reminder, Gonzaga, the favorite still to cut down the nets in early April at plus 700 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. So that was a great game, a top 25 matchup, of course, a top 10 tilt between Iowa State and Baylor on Saturday. Another good one on Saturday in the Big East, Villanova going on the road and knocking off Seton Hall by a final score of 73-67. to Nova winning their second straight game after losing two straight, including their Big East opener to Creighton. Nova covers as a slight two-point favorite on the road. They have been a favorite in 10 of their 13 games. Seven and three against the number is Villanova as a favorite this year. Seton Hall has been an underdog in two straight games. No covers in either of those, but lost by a combined 11 points against Providence earlier in the week and then against Villanova at home on Saturday. So no knock against Hall Ball as well. So Villanova, after starting off winless in Big East play, at least losing in their Big East opener, bouncing back with two straight wins. They are the favorites to win the Big East title at minus 105. And then if you look at the FanDuel Sportsbook, at least here in the New Jersey, New York area, it might be slightly different in other places if you involve Seton Hall into the mix. And Hall Ball will certainly be a factor in the race for a Big East Conference crown. But right now, as I can see it, Providence has the second best odds to win the Big East Championship 
at plus 550. Now, if you remember, we've been keeping you akin to the Friars throughout the early portion of this college basketball season. Just about a week and a half, two weeks ago, Providence had the fifth or sixth best odds to win the Big East Conference crown at plus 3,000. So from 30 to 1 to plus 550 right now. Something to keep in mind. Ed Cooley's team off to a great 13 and 1 start. They beat DePaul over the weekend by 17 points, and they are 10 and 4 against the number. Things to factor in as you try to get in the zone throughout this college basketball season. So as college basketball picks up, college football winds down. A recap of the college football playoff and what's at stake in the natty up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I can't believe it has taken us this long to discuss the college football playoff on the morning after in this first show of a new year in 2022 we will do just that right now a cfb breakdown right here on sports grid and the morning after sirius xm channel 159 and all across the sports grid network i am ben stevens now very pleased to welcome on mark zeno to round out this second hour where the focus will be college football in the college football playoff. Mark, first and foremost, thank you for joining us here on this Monday morning. I hope you had a great start to your new year over the weekend. I did have a good start. I, I finished with my last bet of 2022 hitting and my first bet, uh, last bet of 2021 hitting and my first bet of 2022 hitting. So uh, from there, we could take some wins and put them in our pocket. We got a long year ahead of us, though. <laughs> And to round out, Mark, 2021, like you mentioned, on New Year's Eve, it was with the two semifinal matchups of the college football playoff. First, let us begin with the Cotton Bowl. Number one, Alabama, and number four, Cincinnati. And listen, it went pretty much the way we expected it to go. Alabama covering as a 13-point favorite, beating Cincinnati and looking thoroughly dominant, really in control of that game throughout, 27-6. to There was some late steam in favor of the Bearcats that moved a spread that was at two touchdowns and 14 points down to 13 prior to kick in Dallas, Texas at the Cotton Bowl, but really no matter for Bama. A great defensive performance focusing on the ground game for Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide, and they get a 27-6 to victory covering against the Bearcats, and they are back, Mark, for the sixth time in the eight years of the college football playoff contending for a national championship. Yeah, and what really stood out to me in this semifinal was the game plan that Alabama executed. I mean, for the last two games they played both in the SEC championship game and the national semifinal, you're talking about a nearly flawless game plan against their opponent. You know, on many shows on the Sports Grid Network that I was on and other sports shows that I appear on, people kept asking me, how is Bama going to contend with Cincinnati's two corners who are projected to be first-round picks, if not top-10 picks in this upcoming draft? And I responded with a simple question by saying, I don't know that they have to. Alabama's offensive line, every starter is over 300 pounds. The average weight of Cincinnati's D-line is about 265, and one of the D-linemen weighs 240. So I knew from the beginning that Bama could just really push them around up front and run the ball. Brian Robinson Jr., the running back for Alabama, was finally healthy, no lower body injuries to contend with, and he looked fantastic, and he put it together with a career day on the ground. Alabama executed a perfect yep. game plan. 
pushed around a smaller team uh, and didn't really have to do anything to sort of beat an opponent that they just flat out are better than. I mean, honestly, Ben, they could play this matchup uh, 49 more times and Cincinnati might win one or two. But Alabama is just bigger. They're faster. They're more physical. Forget the fact that they're better coached for a second. They just have better horses in the barn. And that's really what this matchup was about. Now, I'm not saying Cincinnati didn't belong in the college football playoff. Their resume got them there. No blowout in the college football playoff invalidates a team getting there. But that said, player for player, Alabama is just flat out better across the roster. I mean, you pretty much could say that about any team compared to Alabama in college football. But, Mark, I completely agree with your first point there about the game plan for Alabama. We spent so much time breaking down that matchup with the Heisman winner in Bryce Young trying to find his favorite target in Jamison Williams with no John Mechie third against the cornerback duo of Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner for Cincinnati. It didn't really matter because of Bama's game plan. And we saw it from the opening play on that opening offensive drive for Alabama. Ten straight runs to begin, got them deep into Cincinnati territory, and then a touchdown pass from Bryce Young to Slade Bolden to cap things off. But ten straight runs for Alabama to begin the game, and that is what Bill O'Brien and the Tide did against Cincy and that defense on Friday on New Year's Eve. Brian Robinson Jr. ran the ball 26 times for 204 yards, going well over his rushing yards prop of 85 and a hook. Alabama ran the ball for 301 yards as a team. And Mark, what's been so fascinating about this evolution of Alabama this year, they were only averaging 147 yards per game on the ground, which is still a relatively high total on average, but only 147 in the 15 years of Nick Saban's tenure in Tuscaloosa. That was the lowest margin entering the college football playoff semifinal against Cincinnati. But unlike all of us predicting how this game might go and how Cincy might keep it close and cover a two-touchdown spread, Alabama said, we're going to run the damn ball. And that's what they did with great success. Yeah, and again, I think it's about Alabama understanding who their opponent is and the coaching staff being able to come up with a game plan. You know, you mentioned them missing John Mechie. It's not going to hurt them against a team like Cincinnati because the horses in the barn that Alabama has are just better. The second and third and fourth wide receivers are pretty much better than most in Addy's secondary, so it doesn't hurt him. Now, will John Mechie be missing? Will that hurt Alabama against Georgia? Absolutely it will. That is a big loss for the Crimson Tide in the championship game. But again, I think that's a game we'll get to it here in a moment. That's just more about game plan and strategy and scheme than anything else. Yeah, Cincinnati, by the way, only 218 yards of total offense on the other side against Bama's defense. Jerome Ford went over his rushing yards prop of 70 and a hook, finishing with 78 in total. But Cincy, as a team, only running the ball for 74 yards against Alabama in that college football playoff semifinal on Friday afternoon into the early evening hours. Alabama winning once again, 27-6, to covering as nearly a two-touchdown favorite. The total of 57 stays under. So, a lopsided affair in one college football playoff semifinal that was decided by three scores. Pretty much the same picture in the nightcap on New Year's Eve at the Orange Bowl, number three, Georgia, showing why they were number one in the most dominant team in college football all season long. Georgia dominates Michigan from the very, very beginning of the second CFP semifinal. The Dogs winning 34-11, to 11, covering as a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Depending on where you got this total mark, either you were very happy ringing in the new year 
were a little bit on tilt because it closed at 45 in a hook. It falls at 45, but it opened at 43 or 43 and a half. Regardless, Georgia dominant. They will face off against Alabama in the national title game. But first, Mark, what impressed you most about Georgia's effort in that big win over Michigan? Well, for me, it was just about how Georgia out-physicaled Michigan. You know, going into the game, I think you and I talked, and I told you about removing recency bias, and I couldn't get out of my head the way Georgia had lost to Alabama, and it clouded my judgment in why I took Michigan getting the seven and a half, eight and eight and a half points, whatever it was. When in reality, the thing I should have focused on was Michigan's other lone loss this year to Michigan State. How did Michigan State beat Michigan? They rammed the ball down their throats. They beat them up front. They were more physical than Michigan. They matched their physicality. Michigan State did. Kenneth Walker III, the running back for the Spartans, ran all over that Michigan team. And Georgia emulated that game plan. And not only that, Georgia emulated a game plan that they basically had used for the first 12 games of the regular season, save the SEC championship game, because it looked a lot like every other Georgia win did this entire year. Georgia gets to the mid-30s. They choke out the other team offensively. They hold them to under 13 points from a guy who bet Georgia opponent team total unders all year long. That was the play again here. So it was sort of a carbon copy of what we saw Georgia do all season long. But I will say this much a reference to the total. Anybody who bet the under and it came in, you're the luckiest SOB that I know because that thing should have went over multiple times. Not only do you watch Georgia botch the last 90 seconds of the first half, who knows what the heck they were doing. They easily could have gotten field goal range for another field goal attempt. Then they miss a field goal in the second half, Georgia does. Not only that, Michigan, the opening drive goes all the way down the field. The wide receiver quits on the route in the end zone, ends up turning into a pick, a field goal opportunity missed there. You're the luckiest SOBs in the world who hit the under in that semifinals. Let's just acknowledge that full disclosure i was on the over, i know my friends and i mark yeah my <laughs> friends and i mark were watching the end of that game hoping for a couple more points because i talked myself into an over of 45 and a hook because i thought michigan would put up a couple more points than 11 and they stood on three for most of that game until late in the fourth quarter but georgia continues to show why they are so dominant, especially defensively. The top-scoring defense in the country, opponents averaging less than 10 points per game, Michigan puts up 11. And Michigan, who is a top-10 rushing offense, averaging 223 yards on the ground this season, only posts 91 in the college football playoff semifinal against UGA. The first time all year long, Jim Harbaugh, Josh Gaddis, and the rest of that Wolverines offense stays under the century mark as it pertains to their rushing yards. And on the other side, Georgia has shown they can score this year. And Stetson Bennett was phenomenal when there were a lot of doubters, including myself, of if JT Daniels should be the guy to lead Georgia back into contention for a national championship. But Stetson Bennett, 20 of 30, incredibly efficient, 313 yards and three touchdowns against Michigan. So, Mark, the story is this. And we will set up the rematch of the SEC championship game in the national title game on the other side of the break. But as we discussed the college football playoff, now in its eighth season, capped off by a national title game a week from tonight. We have seen 16 semifinal matchups. Only four of the 16 have been decided by two touchdowns or less. Both of these decided by at least three scores. Now the average scoring margin, the average margin of victory in college football playoff history in the semifinal matchups, 21 points per game. We saw that between both Georgia and Michigan and of course Alabama and Cincinnati. 
Yeah, I mean, it's again, none of this speaks to whether you should expand the college football playoff or teams that got in don't belong in. I, it's just a weird, quirky little coincidental thing. I don't think you could put too much behind it. Uh, and maybe it's just because you're getting teams, the fourth team in the nation isn't really as good as number one and number two, that there is a clear set of difference, as we've seen this year with Georgia and Alabama, between them and everybody else. That may speak to it more than anything. As the odds indicated all year long, Alabama and Georgia, neck and neck in the SEC, neck and neck in the national championship race as well, there seemed to be a clear distinction between the Tide and the Dogs. Now they face off in the national championship. We break that game down next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. One week from today, a national champion will be crowned in college football. Will it be the Alabama Crimson Tide for the second straight year and the fourth time in the eight years of the college football playoff? Or will Kirby Smart finally beat his former boss in Alabama's Nick Saban? And will the dogs go barking to hoisting a national championship trophy? We break that down right now on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network alongside Mark Zinno, the mouth in the south, for a second straight segment. I am Ben Stevens. The mouth in the south is a perfect person to join us to take an early look at the odds for the national championship game a rematch of the sec title game between alabama and georgia and mark most of the focus over the next seven days is going to be looking back on that sec title game in atlanta to start off the month of december trying to find the intricacies of that game that might paint a picture for what georgia needs to do to switch things up and what alabama can do to do exactly what they did in the sec championship game winning 41 to 24 but first let's focus on the lines georgia a three point favorite in the national championship against alabama the over under right now stands at 52 and a hook when you looked at the early look ahead line mark it was uga as a slight one point favorite it has worked in their favor by two points now for this opening number for the national championship game i think because of how dominant Georgia was in that semifinal matchup against Michigan. But it's still very interesting, Mark Zeno, to see Alabama booked as an underdog. It felt like after the SEC championship game, when Bama won outright as a six-and-a-half-point dog, we wouldn't see the Tide booked as a dog again for at least another decade. Now here they are, just about a month later, as an underdog in the national championship game. Well, it's funny because I had a conversation with a friend at the beginning of the third quarter uh, of the Georgia semifinal, and he texted me and said, what do you think the line's going to be for Georgia-Bama? And he said, I think it's Alabama minus 7.5. And, and I said, no way. I said, maybe Alabama a field goal favorite. And then I thought for a couple of seconds, and I texted him back. I said, no way, Bama's even a favorite. Think about it, guys. That would be a 10-point line movement in just two games after the SEC championship game. It just doesn't happen that way. Like, objectively, Georgia was better than Bama all season long, or at least enough to be installed as a six, six-and-a-half-point favorite in the SEC championship game. You're telling me two games later, all of a sudden, there's a 10-point swing, or at least a seven-point swing to make Bama a favorite in this spot? 
No, it just doesn't work that way. There's not enough data points. There's not enough uh, of, of games to look at where we've seen Georgia decrease enough and Alabama increase enough to make that much of a line movement a swing. So I get that Georgia is a three-point favorite uh, in this game. And, and the line seems about right, honestly. When you look at the matchups that these two teams have played uh, and you go back to the last time they met in the national title game, it was a three-point score. The last time they played uh, the season after that, it was a seven-point game. So it's not like we've seen a ton of blowouts. I know we saw Alabama dismantle Georgia in the SEC championship game this year, but still, this is a team, Georgia, that has proven they are the best defense in the country. Uh, they are very methodical in what they do, and they can control a game because they can control the line of scrimmage, and that's something that odds makers and bookmakers look at when they put a line together. Georgia's the right team being favored in this spot. If this line holds, it will only be the third time in the last five years that Alabama has been booked as an underdog. All three of those games against Georgia. And Alabama has won at least the previous two all booked as an underdog. It's only the fourth time in the last 12 seasons that Alabama has been booked as an underdog. It is absolutely insane to see those kind of numbers, even for the Crimson Tide entering the national championship. So now, if you ask Will Anderson about being overlooked as the number one team in the country, he can truly say that the Crimson Tide feels like an underdog in this game. They are going to get tons of money on Bama that I think will make this line even shorter than it is right now. But I agree, Georgia should be the favored side. Georgia, throughout the good sample size of this year, has been more consistent. So, of course, Mark, let's focus quickly on the SEC championship game and how it sets up now for a rematch in the national title. Nick Saban has only lost one game to a former assistant that was earlier this year to Jimbo Fisher and the Texas A&M Aggies in College Station. Other than that, perfect. Now, Kirby Smart has not beaten Nick Saban in, I believe, five tries. It's hard to beat a team twice in a little over a month. How can Georgia pull off this victory in the national championship game? Ben, this game boils down to one simple thing. Chess match, strategy, and coaching. That's ultimately what's going to decide this game. The talent on both sides for this teams for these teams is equal. Alabama is not more talented than Georgia. Georgia is not more talented than Alabama. You can go up and down the roster, and you'll find maybe edges on one side at one position. But in reality, these teams are equal talent-wise. And so what it boils down to is who devises a better game plan and a strategy. Clearly, Nick Saban had a better game plan and a better strategy in the SEC championship game than Kirby Smart did. But I think Kirby Smart went into that game going, we're going to do what we did for the last 12 games because it works. And until somebody shows me it doesn't, I don't have to outthink the room. And I don't think Kirby Smart was wrong for using that logic. But credit to Nick Saban and Bill O'Brien for devising an offensive game plan that covered up the holes in their offensive line, that covered up the holes in their running game, and was able to be able to put together an offensive game plan that put Georgia's defense on their heels, and they weren't in that spot all season long. Now that Georgia knows what it feels like to be on their heels, they probably have a better chance on how to respond. But really, what will Georgia do offensively against the Bama defense that has been consistent all season long? Granted, they've had some hiccups. You go back to the Florida game, the Tennessee game. You could even look at some of the other games where things were close for Alabama in the LSU game and in the final game of the year of the regular season in the Iron Bowl against Auburn. You look at those games, those are more offensive hiccups for Alabama, not necessarily defensive ones. So what will Georgia do against the Bama defense 
that is top in the, in the nation in sacks, top five team in the nation in sacks, and certainly a team that knows how to get after the quarterback and can stop the run. Yep. Can Georgia figure out a way around it? That's the ultimate question for me. I think this game 100% boils down to strategy, game plan, and execution. Alabama's offense certainly explosive in that SEC title game against Georgia. 41 points by far the largest margin anybody scored against Georgia all year. Previous to that, it was 17 in Rocky Top by the Tennessee Volunteers. And it iced the Heisman Trophy for Bryce Young. 26 of 44, 421 passing yards and three passing scores. Jamison Williams was fantastic. Seven grabs, 184 yards, two touchdowns. John Mechie over 90 yards and a touchdown. John Mechie will most likely not be available for the national championship game this time around against Georgia. And Mark brings up a great point and something I think will be a topic of discussion over this next week leading into the national championship is Alabama's offensive line was probably its most outstanding against Georgia as it was the entire year against a dog's defensive front that is as scary as it comes in college football. Alabama did not allow a single sack in the SEC title game, allowing Bryce Young to sit back there and pick apart Georgia's secondary. Georgia is the 11th best sack percentage team in the country. Alabama's fifth, by the way, so even ahead of where the dogs are because of Will and Anderson. But that will be a key metric I pay attention to here, Mark. If Georgia can at least pressure Bryce Young and make him have hard decisions against that defense, then maybe he's not finding Jamison Williams for 184 yards and two scores. It will be fascinating. It will also be fascinating to see where the line goes in the SEC championship game rematch now in the national title game between Alabama and Georgia. What felt like a certainty for most of this college football season will play out in Indianapolis one week from tonight. But Mark, it wasn't just the college football playoff this weekend. To start off 2022 on New Year's Day, a great college football slate. And let's begin with one of the most exciting and fun Rose Bowls we have seen in a very long time. In an absolute shootout, Ohio State knocks off Utah 48-45. to The Utes cover as a four, four-and-a-half-point favorite, but it was a total mark of 64 points that stood no shot when you saw seven straight touchdown drives offensively in the first half between the Utes and the Buckeyes. Yeah, I was on the over in the game, and I got it earlier in the week at 65 and a half because I thought that it was going yeah. to actually go up. I didn't think this thing was going to be bet down. I had a feeling that points were going to be scored, and Utah really did their part. Like, Ohio State is the best offense in the country, objectively. All deference to Georgia and Alabama playing in the national championship game. They don't have an offense the way Ohio State does. But what was great for overbetters in that game is to watch Utah get out to an early lead because it forced Ohio State to throw and push the pace as much as they could. And it resulted in a lot of back-and-forth scoring and some big plays by Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver for Ohio State, who had a career day, who had a career day of any wide receiver in bowl history, over 300 yards receiving. Yeah. And so um, when you get 56 points in the first half of a game where 64 is the closing total, you're feeling pretty good about the situation that you're in. And the total opened at 67 and a half. And then based on some of the opt-outs offensively for Ohio State, it dropped a little bit. I, like you, Mark, thought the over was still in play. One, because we've seen Ohio State struggle with very physical teams up front. That's what Utah was going to do. They ran the ball over 45 times for over 225 yards on the ground. But then it was like, sure, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson aren't there. But they would tell you themselves 
that Jackson Smith and Jigba is the best receiver out of the three. And there was so much talent still offensively. So let's focus on Smith and Jigba, the sophomore wideout for Ohio State. 15 receptions, 347 yards, and three touchdowns. Those 347 yards in FBS bowl game record. Not the Rose Bowl, not a New Year's Six Bowl, any bowl game in the history of college football. Jackson Smith and Jigba setting a new mark with 15 grabs, 347 yards, and three touchdowns. CJ Stroud, by the way, 573 yards, six touchdowns, an interception. Marvin Harrison Jr., the freshman for the Buckeyes, yes. The son of Marvin Harrison, 71 yards, three touchdown scores as well. So an offensive shootout in the Rose Bowl. The granddaddy of them all gave us a thrill on New Year's Day to start off 2022, as did Marcus Freeman's first fiesta as the head man of Notre Dame and the Fighting Irish, a big lead in the first half, led by 21 late in that first half, under a minute and a half marking for the first time in 80 games. Notre Dame does not win a football game when holding at least a 21-point lead. They entered the Fiesta Bowl at 79-0, straight up, when leading by at least 21 points at any point in a game. Oklahoma State storms back in the second half. They outscore Notre Dame 23-7, and the Cowboys pull off the victory as a two-and-a-half-point underdog in the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, surprising to me more than anything was the fact that Oklahoma State, which is a top five run defense in the nation and a top 20 overall in defensive efficiency, gave up 28 points and 35 total to a Notre Dame offense that I didn't believe was all that good. Notre Dame finished the regular yep. season on a 7-0 straight-up run and 7-0 against the spread, scoring about 40 right. points a game against some really bad defenses. Georgia Tech, Stanford, Duke, you know, you know, the North Carolina. These are not elite defenses at all. And so I wondered how good Notre Dame's offense really was with quarterback Jack Cohn, who transferred from Wisconsin, didn't look really all that impressive in his Wisconsin career. And so I was shocked to see Oklahoma State give up that many points and didn't really think their offense – had this sort of chutzpah to get back in this game. But credit to Mike Gundy, Spencer Sanders, who threw four interceptions in the Big 12 championship game, had himself a heck of a game in the Fiesta Bowl and gave us great entertainment uh, for four quarters between these two teams. 371 yards for Spencer Sanders through the air. Four touchdowns also ran it for 125 yards on the ground. The total of 45 and a half in the Fiesta Bowl goes over between Notre Dame and Oklahoma State. Another under, Mark Zeno. Eight straight unders for the running Rebs to end out this college football season. We get Mark Zeno's thoughts on one final thing, if he'll stay with us, coming up next and Guess the Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our number two of the morning after on this Monday morning, the first Monday of the year 2022, right here on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the Sports Grid network. I am Ben Stevens. For most of this second hour, our focus has been college football. And joining us has been the mouth in the South himself, Mark Zinno. Now we know the line for the national championship game and SEC title rematch between Georgia and Alabama. The Dogs, a three-point favorite. But one week from now, when the national championship game is kicked off in Indianapolis, what will that line be? 
Let's take a guess and guess the line. So Mark Zeno, Alabama has only been booked as an underdog twice in the last five years, three times in the last 12 years. If it stands, this will be the fourth time in a little bit more than a decade for Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide. So I ask you, with the dogs favored by three right now against the Tide, what will the closing number be by the time we get to kick a week from tonight? I think it ends on three. I mean, if you get two and a half, you'll, you'll get a bunch of money on Georgia. If you get three and a half, you'll get a bunch of money on Alabama. I think it'll hold there. They may increase the juice at, at some point um, on either Alabama or Georgia, depending on where the books feel the liability really is. But I think it lands on three. However, Ben, I'm more curious about the, the, the total than necessarily the side mm. at 52 and a half. Kirby Smart and Nick Saban have met four times. The last three meetings, they've cleared this 52 number easily. And the fourth meeting, the previous national championship game, it landed on 49. Uh, this is a tough total to handicap on a lot of different ways. It can go either way. Uh, but I would lean on the over in this spot. The total of 48 and a half in the SEC championship game went way over because Alabama posted 41 points. We will break this game down over the next week, certainly from every angle to get you set for the national championship between Georgia and Alabama. Mark Zeno, the mouth in the South. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. Always, brother. Great to be with you. Of course. Happy hour number three up next here on the morning after.